You are listening to the cycling podcast at the 2023 Tour de France Fan. Today we're in Blagnac. Well, that sort of sobbing and yelping sound that we started uh, the podcast with was Emma Norsgaard taking the win uh, today at stage six from Albita Blagnac. And I was thinking when I was listening to the sounds of Emma Norsgaard celebrating with her Movistar teammates and crying and the tears just never seemed to stop pouring. I was thinking that Lizzie probably at the same time you would have been celebrating wildly because I know that Emma is uh, one of your good friends isn't she? Yeah she's a good friend of mine we were uh, on the same team for two years back in 2019 and 2020 and absolutely thrilled for her today after a tough year tough probably year and a half I'd say um, just absolutely what she needed and deserved and couldn't be happier for her. Oh, it was fantastic. And we're looking forward to hearing your tale of a tap in a minute, of course, uh, Lizzie, to hear exactly how that uh, all happened. But Denny Gray, we're, we're here in, we're not in Blagnac, actually. We've moved probably to the outskirts of uh, Toulouse because um, we thought it'd be a bit more. I know Blagnac is kind of the airport town of Toulouse, so slightly more. Well, we've actually ended up in a kind of a hipster suburb, haven't we? And uh, absolutely amazingly, we're sitting in a square with people playing cricket, which I've never seen in France before. No, although, as you say, they've, they've got English accents, which yeah. probably exp- explains, <laughs> yeah. explains it. But, yeah, it's a very uh, serene uh, atmosphere here, very peaceful. Somebody roller skating over there, and, uh, yeah, it's all very... Um, onto the cricket field, which cricket. I think is pretty unusual, mm, isn't it? Yeah, but well, they're, they're known to have a few streakers and other people coming onto yeah, the pitch well, uh, so gosh. who well, knows we, keep an eye out we can, we can only <laughs> hope uh, that, that that man who seems to be drinking a can of cider as he roller skates around keeps all of his uh, clothes on but yeah if you do hear uh, the odd little uh, very polite round of applause or how's that is that right Denny <laughs> I don't know cricket so I'm just really you ask me how it how it is or are you asking is me that, whether that's the right have terminology? I not done it right? Have I done it no, wrong? No, that's correct. Yeah, I'm just, it's a terrible attempt at a joke. Oh, uh, yeah, oh. no, you're absolutely right. How's that? Okay, there you go. Well, uh, but uh, as Lionel said to Mitch uh, in the Tour de France, Om, uh, this isn't a cricket podcast, thank God, because they would have really employed the wrong person to do it if they'd got me uh, at the helm. So let's hear more, more about the cycling today. Um, and Lizzie, you're going to tell us all, aren't you? It's time for the tale of the attack. I will indeed. Well, the day started with another DNS for SD Works, but this time in the shape of sports director Danny Stamm. After reviewing the video-assisted replay footage, and in light of what the UCI deemed inappropriate comments from Stamm, his fine was upgraded to 500 Swiss francs, as well as exclusion from the race as a sports director. 122 kilometres of uncomplicated terrain lay ahead of the riders, taking them from the wonderful Albi to Blagnac for what was a nailed-on sprint day. Agnieszka Skalniak-Soschka of Canyon Shram was the first attacker to get a decent gap, going clear over the first QOM point, the Côte de la Cadenne. Sandra Alonso of Cerritos at WNT and Emma Norsgaard of Movistar jumped out of the bunch behind and tried to cross to Skalniak-Soschka, but hung in the gap for quite some time. Eventually, the trio joined forces, with 70 kilometres to go, sweeping up the mountain points at Côte de Puy-Celsi. 
There were yet more shenanigans in the peloton, with Lotta Hentala from AG Insurance Sudal Quickstep being disqualified from the race for hanging onto the team car to get back to the bunch. A crash in the peloton brought down polka dot jersey wearer Yara Castelline and Veronica Ewers, had a, who had a really nasty fall into a ditch. It was a relief to see both riders back on their bikes and after quite some time both be able to rejoin the bunch. DSM Fermanich had to work hard to keep their sprinter Charlotte Cool in contention, pacing her back to the main group after getting distanced early on. The gap to the trio out front hovered between one and two minutes as DSM, Yumbo and UAE Team ADQ kept them on a relatively tight leash after the last two days. At 20 kilometres to go, the gap was down to a minute and hung there for a while. 13 to go now and the chase was on. New recruits were sent to the front to get to work and all was looking good for the sprinters team as the escapees' advantage was reduced to 30 seconds in a few kilometres. Six to go now and 20 seconds, the break in sight on the straight run into the finish. Four to go now, 15 seconds and Norsgaard maxed out the power on a rise in the road, dropping Sandra Alonso and putting, putting back some seconds to advantage break. Two kilometres to go now and 13 seconds, Dignan hammering the pace behind. Less than 10 seconds now and unbelievably the win for the bunch was once again hanging in the balance. Norsgaard and Skalniak Soshka powering down and over the speed bumps and chicane as the race crossed the tram lines just outside the Flamme Rouge. Moments later the bunch came through the same tight spot and a coming together of riders right at the front of the brunch brought, brought some riders down and delayed many more. Lead out trains in disarray and riders all over the road. It was a mad fight to catch up the pair in front. 500 metres to go and only a handful of seconds ahead, Emma Norsgaard opened up for the sprint of her life, distancing Skalniak Soshka and charging to the line. Cool and Kopecky gaining now, desperate to catch the SKP before the finish, but Norsgaard held, held them off for the most unusual sprint victory in her short career and taking Movistar's second win of the week with one second to spare ahead of Cool in second and Kopecky in third. No change in the jersey competitions today and just four extra bonus seconds of a lead for Capecchi as the race heads into the Pyrenees tomorrow for a showdown on the Col d'Aspin and the Col du Tourmalet. It was a fantastic spectacle, wasn't it? We had Norsgaard in the front. Skalniak Solka had been dropped from there and was absorbed back into the bunch and the bunch was so, so close to reaching uh, Emma Norsgaard but she just about held them off and normally... That kind of thing would be so surprising that you know it would just make the headlines everywhere. But I feel like we've been spoiled already. <laughs> Three this in a row. This is the third in a row. Three in a row like of solo breakaways. And I am. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to put Rebecca Charlton in it here because I was standing on the finish line with her and I said, "Oh, I, you know, I hope it's going to be Emma Norsgaard to get this." And Rebecca's like, oh, yeah, but then it'll be three in a row for the solo breakaway. Don't we want something different? So we're almost getting, <laughs> getting no. sick with the how, how breakaway exciting. fatigue. <laughs> breakaway fatigue. It's too exciting every day that we've kind of become used to it, haven't we now? Yeah, we're, we're beginning to expect the unexpected, I guess. And, uh, yeah, every stage has thrown up uh, some, some drama, some unexpectedness, some kind of... Uh, something to thrill us actually and it's it's been great watching i mean we kind of said before the tour didn't we that it would be a a, a testing course and uh, it would be aggressive racing and it certainly proved to be that and it's just uh, great to have so many surprises in fact well i know we'll talk about tomorrow's stage a bit later but arguably tomorrow's stage might be the most predictable in some ways but anyway we can talk about that a bit later yeah that's very true but uh, i mean amazing win for emma norsgaard uh, wasn't it lizzie because she was, uh, a couple of years ago, um, she was 
one of the sprinters to beat. Mm. Certainly in a kind of classic situation, she was definitely the person that everyone was looking to. And she kind of back then she kind of came out of not coming came out of nowhere, but. Um, she was obviously on the team with Annemiek van Vluten on Movistar and she was kind of became the, the second card that they could play. But she's had a couple of, not a couple of, not a couple of years in the wilderness because she has picked up wins every year, but they haven't been uh, of the same kind of high esteem, um, have they? Yeah, you, yeah, she set herself very high targets, didn't she? So back in 2019, when I started on the team with her, she was actually out nearly the whole year with a knee injury. And when she came back late that year and in 2020, it was very clear to us how talented she was as a sprinter. She moved over to Movistar in 2021. She had five wins that year. You know, Movistar were bold away with her. They yeah, they re-signed her in the middle of that year and extended her contract through to 2024. So they really put a lot of faith in her, increased her salary, increased her bonuses, all of these things. Um, but the pressure that came with all of those wins in 2021 was pretty difficult to deal with. And she handled it well in the beginning of the 2022 season she was still getting pretty good results maybe not quite what she'd wanted at the level that she'd wanted but she still won Les in um in that early spring of uh of 2022 second in Omloop Pet Newsblad but the fatigue of all of that and I think that the mental toll of the pressure took its toll throughout that year and she she struggled in the end of that year and she talked about that struggle as well and um, she went to the World Championships DNF there, she was just absolutely done. And it was really interesting to hear her speak after the finish line today about how she knew that she wasn't she wasn't a, a pure sprinter anymore and she couldn't compete with the likes of, you know, Vibas and, and even Kapeki sometimes. Um, Emma Norsgaard's lost a lot of weight and she's climbing exceptionally well, but that probably also had an impact on her pure sprint power. So she's now much more of an all-rounder of a rider. And she was also talking how about how she wanted to work on every aspect of being a bike rider. And so, you know, when you turn on the coverage and you see Emma Norsgaard in the break, you think, hold on a second, it's a sprint day. Aren't Movistar going for them? But actually, you know, she's an incredibly strong time trialist. But going going back to this season, I think the start of this season was very difficult for her. Um, she wasn't getting the results she wanted right in the beginning. She then crashed out of Strada Bianca Donne with um, a broken collarbone. Obviously, it took a long time to come back from. Still didn't really get quite the results that she wanted at La Vuelta. Um, and then clearly at Balois Ladies Tour, she was... She was coming in there with hot form and it's just, yeah, it's really cool to see her take the win like this because I don't believe she would have taken the win in a in a bunch finish. I, I don't think that she would have been able to be cool and uh, and Kapeki in a finish like that today if it was just head to head. But when she's in a break like that, she can be so underestimated because she has got a hell of a lot of power and she can put it out for a hell of a long time. Well, it's funny you say all of that, Lizzie, because when me and Denny were in the press room, actually, we were exactly saying that. You know, when Norsgaard was in the break, we're like, you know, why are Movistar putting all of this energy into getting Emma Norsgaard into the break when surely she is their best chance of a win uh, in this particular stage? And uh, that's actually one of the questions that I put to Emma Norsgaard uh, when I spoke to her um, after the finish. Well, Emma Norsgaard, Tour de France stage winner. How does it feel to get that victory? <laughs> when you say it now, I get emotional again. <laughs> no, it's it's amazing. It's uh, it's been a difficult year for me in the beginning with the uh, broken collarbone, and um, the team has been supporting me so well. 
my family, my husband has been there for me 100%, so it means everything, really. And you say about breaking your collarbone, you obviously had some great results recently, creeping nearer and nearer, I mean, but this win, I mean, this puts everything else, yeah. pales everything else into comparison. I think it's my personal breakthrough, really, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm lost for words. I, I, I don't even know what to say, but really, it's it's such a great feeling. And I was watching, thinking, why are they putting Norsgaard in the break? You know, you're so fantastic as a sprinter, so fast as a finisher, but you must have known where your strengths really were. Yeah, I mean, it's true, like a couple of years ago, I would probably have sit in and, and waited for the sprint, but I, I want to develop as, as a rider, not only being a sprinter anymore, and I also, I realize I'm, I'm not as fast as the, the real sprinters anymore, and then I have to seek it in another way. Well, how is it also with Movistar, another win this week? Is, is it that the more, the more you win, the more you win in the team? Yeah, I hope. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, tomorrow is a really big stage for, for enemy, for the whole team. And yeah, why not continue? That was Emma Norsgaard uh, of Movistar, of course, toasting her first Tour de France fam win and her second Grand Tour win because she is a Giro Donne uh, winner. But we were really questioning whether she could make it this time and uh, add to her Grand Tour stage collection, weren't we? But then, Denny, you said, actually, uh, that you had looked at the, the other sprint stage, the other stage that the Lorena Weebus had won earlier in the week, and that she that Eminor's God hadn't performed so well on that stage. Yeah, she was 51st on that stage. I don't know what happened there exactly, but obviously she wasn't in the, in the mix. And interestingly, in the press room afterward, after the race, she said she was... She was scared she might not even get selected for this race uh, going into it. And she felt she had to kind of ride herself into the race in the first couple of stages. She also said she doesn't do well in the heat, which, uh, but she did pretty well today, didn't she? Um, but yeah, I think she's, she's obviously, as Lizzie said, just, she's just said she, she needs to find new ways to win races. And, um, and whilst we were scratching our heads and thinking all the time that uh, there's no way she's going to win, she just put in a... Uh, you know, an astounding performance and as we'll discuss I think the the ch chasing peloton didn't quite get it right either mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting as well because I think you know if you do struggle in the heat for instance being in the break is actually an advantage because you have direct immediate access to everything that you need if you've got the car there and even if you don't have a car there there's always a moto commissaire with water um, so you're not having to kind of go back get the stuff so uh, actually an advantage anybody who's really hot should go in the breakaway that's my useful piece of advice <laughs> literally your hot tip oh, oh very good very good <laughs> well there, i mean there were we've obviously talked about the winner today uh, but there were an awful lot of losers uh, weren't there really because this stage actually became because lorena Weebus had pulled out yesterday from the race and obviously she is kind of the one to beat when it comes to a flat stage when it comes to a, a sprint finish because she was gone, there were a lot of teams, uh, weren't there, that had the greatest opportunity that they could have had to win. And there were kind of UAE with Consoni, Charlotte Cool, of course, at Team DSM, Mar Mariana Voss from Jumbo Visma. They suddenly, without Lorena Vibus in their way, uh, they suddenly had perhaps the best opportunity they could have this week. And it is the last sprint stage also, the best opportunity they could have at taking the win today. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, you know, actually for the first time this week, all of the teams combined 
bar SD works to to chase all the teams that had a kind of a, a clear sprinter or cl- clear sprint chance. Uh, even though uh, SD works did have the best, you know, did have Lottie Kopecky. So they you don't even need to say that chance, SD works didn't combine. Like it's just a given. Of course they're not going to do any work. Why would they want to do any work and have a chance to win a stage in the yellow jersey with one of the fastest women in the bunch? Why would they want to do that? Well, that would just well, make sense. Was... And anything that makes sense, apparently they don't do. Sorry, I shall ask. It doesn't. Go, it doesn't go into the the comedy drama that you were saying they were writing, oh. uh, Lizzie. Well, maybe this is the comedy no. of errors. Maybe. Ooh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the chase didn't quite go to plan. And I, I spoke to Kelvin Decker at Team DSM, uh, the DS there after the race. And uh, he kind of put it down to three factors, really, for, from their perspective anyway. I mean, Charlotte Cool was dropped on a couple of the early climbs. They had to chase back on with Charlotte. That meant um, at the time, actually, uh, Yombo and UAE were kind of nailing it on the front to try and distance her. She finally got back on, but then on that on the final climb, it, she was still at her limit, and it, it meant that DSM had to manage the pace. They they couldn't contribute to that, so that slowed them down slightly. Then he said that um, there was a tailwind in the last 15 kilometres, and they kind of hadn't they'd un, he'd underestimated kind of the role that would play, and of course they probably slightly underestimated the power of the three in front. I mean, there's two national time trial champions there, and Emma Norsgaard has clearly found her found her legs. So. It was a kind of mixture of things, and it, but he was saying, you know, for a long time they thought it was all in control, um, and it, it. So I think that I it, was, it was all in control. Yeah, we all thought it was all in yeah. control, didn't we? And it was only, as you said, in the tail of the attack, Lizzie, towards the end, that it became apparent that it might not uh, come back together. So, yeah, I mean, Lotta Kopecky was also asked about this. I think the press was slightly tiptoeing around the question of why didn't SD Works work, um, <laughs> but she the questions were more like oh you know did the bunch get it wrong and stuff and she said oh maybe uh i don't know maybe we need to start to learn how to count um, yeah she must she be wasn't pretty prepared fed up to admit now, you know she's yeah. she's lost she wasn't prepared to admit though that it was an sd works issue you know that they should have contributed uh, to the chase well kabeki was made it obvious that she was very annoyed also at the finish line i mean she was the one that was kind of banging her handlebars slamming her stem mm. and uh, she she ended she still in finished third and, and really because she was already angry before she even got to the finish um, she probably would have actually been second as she kind of uh, carried on but before we go any further should we listen to Charlotte Cool who uh, you heard at the finish line uh, Denny and here she's uh, ex- explaining how she feels winning the sprint so close from uh, that was Charlotte Cool who finished second uh, in the end um, and that you know that closes the sprinting now doesn't it Lizzie so um, all those opportunities are gone so I have to admit there was a huge amount of frustration and tension on the finish line obviously the heat didn't help there was a lot of people on the finish it was one of those narrow finish lines also when there's a lot of people and and everyone you know getting uh, pretty annoyed but I mean that's it for the sprinting so they're gonna feel pretty uh, gutted to have not got DSM haven't so far got anything out of this yeah 
um, I would say big screw up. <laughs> I mean, the, the, <laughs> okay. The, 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 the reason yeah, is, you know, what do you mean, Lizzie? <laughs> be, be more honest about how you feel. <laughs> the thing is, we've seen we've seen the last two days breakaways be underestimated and make it to the line. So when you know that this is your last chance, last chance saloon, you think you would, you would just try and catch them earlier and you know yes you say it looked secure but actually between 20 kilometers to go and 13 kilometers to go the gap didn't move at all it mm. was just stuck mm. at one minute and it was only just after yeah. that that it actually came down by 30 seconds and so you've got this this thing where you want to catch the break but you don't want to catch them too early because you don't want to get people going off on like attacks and counterattacks, and you know how many people do you want to use up and stuff but they also knew that there was a bit of a rise in the finish and I just think that with this situation with there having been two breakaways got to the line already and a third one very nearly having got to the line three days ago you'd think you would play it on the safer side rather than play it on the later side like catch them catch them earlier and stick the girls on the front and you know i'm really surprised i am actually kind of surprised that sd works didn't chase because yes they keep saying that their main goal is here with demi following and i don't doubt that that's not their main goal but lotta kopecky seemed pretty deflated and you know she's never gonna well not never never this race going to get a chance to sit up in the yellow jersey cross the finish line and have those pictures that she was so desperate for so i don't know i just think it was a bit of a cock-up really well um the the other thing that obviously affected the uh, sprint in the end was of course there was a crash on that final corner uh, which did take out quite a few of the Mm. riders from the running or at least um slowed them down uh there were some questions i mean uh, actually we heard in advance uh, about the fact that there was tram tracks and it looked unsafe and, and also that the the fencing that they had used there were kind was kind of the worst fencing that could have been used it's kind of the uh, it's the ones with the legs sticking with the out very wide mm. the very wide legs that um stick out which going is, around basically what was a chicane which is actually finish. against protocol you know you're actually supposed to have i think it's in the last three kilometers or the last one kilometer probably should have checked this you're supposed to have those sort of triangular barriers which um like keep the fans a little bit further away and so if ha- something happens you sort of roll in and there's no risk that the the bottom feet are going to take the riders out so yeah that was definitely a tricky spot and i'm not saying that that was perfectly done by the organizers but i don't actually think that 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 really changed the finishing result because it was still 800 meters to go at that point and it was still eight seconds and really what was underestimated was Norsgaard's power in that final 500 meters you know she was just doing her own sprint from 500 meters it was such a long way that she just went for it and it was really incredible like watch it back it was really quite incredible the power that she was putting out Mm. after so long in the breakaway as well certainly um Kelvin Decker didn't didn't think that contributed to to uh their result, you know, they, their, their lead out was unaffected. And you could see there were 15, 20 riders that got through yeah. okay. So, you know, the, the, the people that were in contention for the win got weren't through. affected. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think you can blame, blame. But there was a lot of bad feeling about the, yeah. the crash nonetheless, wasn't there? And Kelvin, again, uh, said that, you know, the crash was shit. It's incredible that a corner like that with tram rails in the tour with 1.2 kilometres to go you know can be in the tour he was expecting the tram rails he'd seen it in advance he thought they might be covered yeah Um, i agree he thought thought maybe maybe they uh, the tour had you know looked at it carefully and 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 knew it you know it wasn't as bad as he thought it looked in the in the road book 
but you know even the, they had someone filming kind of in advance of the stage and even the guy on the scooter kind of nearly lost it going around there so it was it, it wasn't it wasn't ideal was it just it so close yeah. to the race when you knew it was going to be a a likely bunch sprint imagine it if it had been raining as well thankfully it wasn't but the only other thing is that when girls when riders see tram tracks or train tracks they automatically break so even if they haven't actually had to be slowed down they often break in anticipation and that causes massive um problems and sort of you know a, um, a slinky effect uh, a yo-yo effect further down the bunch well shall we hear from a couple of riders uh, with some quite differing opinions um, I actually, to be honest, uh, it was got very heat. I mean, it was very hot and very sunny uh, where we were, but it got even more heated when there was a little bit of a fracas after the finish line uh, between some riders from UAE, uh, ADQ, and riders from Lidl Trek. Um, the UAE riders accusing uh, Lidl Trek of maybe not having enough respect. Um, it's very hard to review the footage and see exactly what went wrong or, you know, when it's a, it's a slightly dangerous entry into a... When, a sprint like that when everyone's going so fast it's very hard to you know apportion blame but obviously some riders are able to apportion more blame uh, than others there's lots of shouting a bit of water throwing which I, i've oh, never wow. seen before um and was <laughs> was quite surprising um but well let's hear from um lucinda brand who was a little bit at the receiving end actually um about what she Unusual. thought of the run-in uh, and then we'll uh, also hear from uh, Susanna Anderson of the UNOX uh, team who um, has a different opinion. Is it a factor that, or, you know, there's a lot of, Lorena Vibas is out of uh, contention here and so therefore there's more sprinters who think that this might be their best chance they get this week? Oh, I think in the other stage also everybody has faith in their own sprinter. You also should have that because you never know what happens in a sprint. Everybody thinks it's a fight between Lorena and uh, Charlotte Cole, and then Charlotte got uh, closed in and she did not contend the sprint she wanted the first time. So that shows that you always should trust in your own sprinter and give her the best opportunity um, to start her sprint. Um, so yeah, that was, was what we saw what was it the third day second day i don't remember anymore and and today as well um yeah if if one's a good sprinter is home or not that doesn't really matter then what was your thoughts on the course it was an acceptable course do you think to for the sprint or you thought it was maybe too dangerous uh well i don't know it's uh yeah tram lines are maybe not the best to have in the last few case um, but yeah the, it's a bit difficult because dangerous situations can occur when you go straight and they can occur in the corner so uh, in the end yeah we are racing and sort of aware of the risks um, and I think yeah most of the girls were sort of a bit fresher today I guess even though like the racing was a bit on but yeah, a lot of teams, uh, I think, could save some energy for the last uh, for the last part. And where there's a lot of fresh legs, there are also a lot of legs who can be in the in the top uh, ten positions in the last case. And then, yeah, uh, like situations like this, I think they happen. So, yeah, I mean, sprints are fast and crazy and uh, can be dangerous. So, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> The cycling podcast of the 2023 Tour de France Femme is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport, fueled by science. The Tour de France is one of the most gruelling physical tests the body can undergo, 
and it only gets harder when the temperatures go up like they did today. SIS Go Isotonic Energy Gels are scientifically formulated to help riders maintain their pace for longer. So while you're going through hell, they've got something to keep you going. Developed for elite athletes, available to all. Always fueled by science. Well, obviously, today there was a huge effort from the bunch, wasn't there, to try and bring uh, that incredibly strong uh, break back. But probably they didn't put in any amount of effort like we did this morning, uh, Denny, ourselves, when we, as part of the Denny Debuts features, went, and this was also a first for me, went to the fan zone at the Tour de France. Well, Denny, it's time for another first. And this first, actually, is going to be a first for me. I've never been to a Tour de France fan zone before, and that is exactly uh, where we are in uh, beautiful Albi. Well, describe describe the scene. This is, uh, you know, it's always at the start um, of every stage. Uh, all the sponsors, the advertisers, uh, doing different little, setting up little stalls and doing different things. Yeah, it's a bit like a summer fates, really. We can see the uh, signing on podium in the distance and uh, various teams getting up and uh, being introduced to the crowd. But surrounded by the podium are various stalls. We can see people peddling away, trying to win freebies and uh, people giving out free food and kind of all the sponsors getting a chance to kind of push their wares on the... Uh, on The, the very, unsuspecting uh, public. Yeah, I think they are, they are suspecting by the looks of it. And... They, they seem quite excited about it. I feel like they're both, let's have a little walk then, Denny. I think they're both suspecting and willing to give away copious amounts of their personal data to get whatever <laughs> free thing is available. Well, let's go over here. We're just at the, uh, Hello. the Villa Avello. And look, oh, for our cheese fan, cheese. Denny. Well, let's check this out. Let's go and ask what kind of cheese it is, shall we? That's, that's the immortal question on this particular feature, isn't it? Excusez-moi, qu'est-ce que c'est le nom de le fromage? Florinois. Noir. Just noir. Oh, Florinois. Noir. Okay, brilliant. Noir is what you're saying. I don't think that's Well, I'm afraid that's a new one on me, so I'm going to expose myself as uh, not not so much of an expert as I tried to claim, claim to be in the press room buffet. But. Uh, I like to say it though, Denny, I think you actually picked up not that cheese. I think there were a few cheeses then you picked up the one that was not the one that you asked about. How is it? It's really nice though, quite creamy, a little bit nutty. Um, yeah, that's delicious. You're, I'm you're not keen, Rose. Well, I'm finding it a bit strong for... Uh, I mean, it's not the morning, we're kind of setting off in the afternoon today, this stage, but uh, the start of the stage always feels a bit early to me to be eating quite a strong cheese. But, I mean, Denny, you started your morning with a banana split for breakfast, so <laughs> you're well into the day, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's crack on, see what yeah. else we can find. Um, what about over... Oh, it's uh, a fierce competition. Maybe we should try and uh, get in on this, Denny. Si vous voulez battre le record, il faut être au-dessus de 70-80 en permanence. Sinon, faites ce que vous pouvez, faites très mieux.
uh, Denny. Yeah. A roller palooza going on between uh, two kids and maybe the boy out for a Sunday cafe ride, as you said, and uh, the girl probably with a good good chance of starting the stage today. <laughs> She's absolutely totally out of breath, isn't she? Well, should we? Uh, good effort. Very good effort. Um, uh, civil play. Uh, uh, well, here we go, Denny. Our time is up. Are you ready? I am. Uh. Oh my God! First challenge is getting on the bike. So uh, it looks like. Oh my God! Okay, it looks like we're ready. Uh, oh, we're, okay, we're ready. I'm getting the start on you. Warming up the legs. <laughs> oh my goodness! How is she doing? Oh, very high cadence. Very high cadence. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> We're on the flimsiest of stationary bikes here, and it feels like we're about to fall off. <laughs> I don't think, oh, we got three minutes of this, uh, Denny. So <laughs> I don't think we kind of. Okay, I don't think. Uh, I don't think I can talk for you. This is not much effort, if I'm totally honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of breath. <laughs> Seconds here. Come on. I can feel my glutes burning. <laughs> 90 oh, watts, a massive 90 two, watts. One. Oh. Oh, Denny, you got me. 480 watts. Yeah. Versus 422. I'm absolutely puffed out. Woo. Starting to consider whether that was worth the effort. Messi. Messi. I think I've just pulled a muscle getting off the bike. <laughs> You know, what was so enjoyable, there was also some little uh, additional bits of arm exercises you could do Yeah, yeah. That's as you a, went along. That's an innovation I think many of the teams have overlooked, Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say, I don't think we're going to get signed up very soon, judging by those performances. Well, should we carry on with the rest of, uh, well, catch our breath maybe? Uh, well, maybe we should try something a little more genteel, maybe a bit of patonk. There's a couple of patonk stalls, stands, what would you call those? Lacking the Finches. balls? Well, um, no balls though. <laughs> no balls, well I think maybe they're assuming like, you know, the average punter will bring along their own patonk kit. I don't know, is that, is that a thing? You never know when the urge to play patonk will suddenly hit you in the middle of nowhere. Well, let's, uh, let's carry on, let's carry on. We're walking right now, got the, the merchandise shops. What are you looking for there, Denny, would you say? Out uh, of the selection we got. I mean, uh, I, quite found, I quite like the look of the uh, polka dot jersey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything with polka dots on. Uh, we've got a little bit of a queue gathering around a, uh, a wheel of fortune, where it seems you either win Maybe something to recycle or something to give, or it's some kind of environmental initiative there. It seems to be an environmental initiative which involves giving away plastic. Although I don't want to, I don't want to do them down. But uh, 
Yeah, I'm not quite sure about that one. Let's see what else we got. Another wheel of misfortune. Uh, this one is for an estate agency, I believe. I don't think she's going to win a house. I think she's won a bag. The choices were key ring, key ring or bag, actually, were the two or options. Or a surprise. Ooh. Well, there's also a toy, a toy house, which is, as uh, people who have children ourselves, we know a child's favourite toy is always a little house, isn't it? With a face. <laughs> I get a little snap of you on the police motorbike. Go on then. Go on then. Uh, they might think you're going to drive off with it. I mean, it's, apart from worried. that, it's just like uh, very small toddlers that are enjoying it's kind that. Of like, yeah, my, my six-year-old would absolutely love this, uh, and you can see like the kids are going to really enjoy. You were six astride. once, Denny. You can, you can. I can relive those memories. <laughs> yeah. Well, shall I ask if I can? Uh, I think just hop get on. on. Just hop I think on. just hop on. And I'll get a, I'll get a picture of you. Here we go. He's mounting it. The policeman is the policeman is not very happy with him. Oh, he doesn't know how to get on a motorbike. Is the problem? Oh. Oh, that's a fantastic. Yes. Give it a bit of a grrr. Yes. Fantastic. Oh well. H hit up our Instagram to check that out because oh, we've been now. Denny's being a bit ambitious. You looked very good on there, Denny. Do yeah. I? Yeah. I think it's a future career for me as a police outrider. You're sweating, actually. <laughs> that's, that's not from the motorbike. That's from our a race we had a few minutes ago, Rose. We have got something from the oh, local... What is this? I don't actually know how to describe it. Secours Populaire Francais. So this is about uh, holidays, is it? Yeah, and there seems to be some Star Wars memorabilia. Yeah, um, they are called Imperial Stormtroopers. But they're soft and cuddly Imperial Stormtroopers. Yeah. The softest and cuddliest another, ones I've ever another seen. Another Wheel of Fortune. They seem to really like the Wheels of Fortune in these stores, don't they? Well, we've come to come to the race of sorts here, haven't we, Denny? We've got uh, the oh look at this little one on a balance. We've got a. A little track that's been put out with some quite some daring obstacles, I would say, and some kids on bikes. There's a little, very little one on a balance bike here. Yeah, wearing a, a Leclerc polka dot jersey. I know something you're you're keen to get your hands on. Oh, yeah, the much. mystery we've had so far is that everybody, everywhere we look, people are donning these Leclerc polka dot t-shirts and caskets, and yet we haven't seen a single one being given out. And it's almost like mysteriously they appear on people overnight without us ever seeing them. Yeah, well, we're, you know, you've got to be in the know, I suppose, and we're, we're just not on that. Well, uh, we actually, Denny, you're in a perfect com com uh, position here, next to the fan zone. And uh, the fan zone is, in fact, offering us the perfect view of the start, isn't it? Here, this is where all the riders are going to line up ready to go, so well, we may as well just take up our position here and wait for them uh, to head off. Let's do that. Well, as you would have heard there, probably if you could have heard anything after the, uh, the panting and the uh, difficulty that we had <laughs> controlling our breathing after just doing, briefly doing a rollerpalooza that felt like it went on, it was three minutes, wasn't it? And it just, it felt endless. 
Yeah, and we didn't stop sweating for the rest of the day after that, did we? <laughs> so it's quite embarrassing. And you needed, you needed an ice bath. You've been through, Denny. <laughs> you needed an ice we bath did. to cool we your We should have gone straight to the team buses and asked them to get the uh, paddling pool out. Yeah, we right should up. have done because yeah. it, we really we didn't recover uh, at all, pretty much all day, <laughs> which is just awful. <laughs> I, I'm bringing it down to the cheese that we had beforehand. I don't think. From my knowledge of feed zones, they're not giving out big lumps of... Uh, One thing you've learned from interviewing riders, Rose, is you've always got to have your excuses ready. Oh, yes. Oh, no, I'd, my excuse was that I was holding the microphone oh, and right. I was recording you. To and be that's f- why I might <laughs> yeah. have... You, Lizzie, you should have seen it. Rose was pedalling like mad on this non-resistance trainer. <laughs> uh, but it also had these kind of weird kind of... Uh, elasticated arm pulleys that you could do kind of arm exercises <laughs> at one point Rose was uh, not only pedalling <laughs> like an absolute mad woman but also kind of doing these arm exercises that we'll have to put the video up on Instagram yeah that's good <laughs> just to embarrass you you've embarrassed everyone. me enough this no week. I know I've got there's plenty of everyone should go to Instagram now because actually there's plenty of embarrassing uh, pictures of Denny but there will be an embarrassing <laughs> video of me uh, a little bit later on well I mean I think we've talked probably enough about our exertions but the big exertion comes tomorrow doesn't it the big one it's the tourmalet but it's not just the tourmalet that we're expecting uh well not expecting i really hope that the cold dust band turns up tomorrow (laughs) it would be (laughs) a bit awkward (laughs) (laughs) but it's got a you know we've got a a double uh mountain climb ahead of us tomorrow we've obviously since the route has been released everyone's eyes has been on this stage uh in terms of uh, deciding the GC jersey, you can't really look uh, the yellow jersey. You know, you can't really look uh, past that, can you? No, I mean it should be, if not decisive, it will. Set, well, it will obviously shake up the GC enormously, won't it? Um, I think that's a bit of an understatement. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I, <laughs> there I mean, might be a few movements. In yeah, the GC I mean, what can you say? It's a huge mountain <laughs> stage. It's very unusual yeah. to see this in kind of in women's racing. So, I think we can expect to see. Well, the consensus, as we we found out today, was that you know it's the race is going to is going to be probably torn to shreds quite early on. It's going to go early on. The Aspan is what we we were being told, and um, I can only see kind of very big time differences happening. But I guess the you know the question we all want answered is who's going to make those time differences, and uh, what will the GC look like at the end of it? Well, that's key, isn't it? Well, let's hear uh, a couple of opinions. We've got Cecily Ludwig giving her, us her opinion about what might uh, happen tomorrow. Uh, and then we've got, we're going to hear from Kelvin Decker, who's the DS uh, from DSM, who's getting a lot of airtime tonight. Well done, Kelvin. He does he does love uh, to make a media soundbite. So he'll oh, be I went, I went to listen to his interview and it was seven minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> we're not... Listeners, we're not having seven minutes now. We're just having getting to hear uh, what uh, so Kelvin Decker thinks about their prime GC hope, which is Juliette Labousse and uh, how they're going to play it, what they're going to get up to. So it's Cecily Ludwig and Kelvin Decker. Looking ahead to tomorrow, though, um, how do you think it's going to play out? People are talk, kind of wondering whether it's going to be in bits very early on or whether it might stay oh. together. Do, do you have any yeah. instinct? Yes, it's going to happen on the first climb. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think they'll wait for the tourmalet. Okay. <laughs> and how are you feeling ahead of that stage? Oh, I, I think I feel all right, but yeah, I need uh, super legs tomorrow. So uh, wish me luck. Right, Thank you. Julia's <laughs> doing really good. We were really happy with everything she, she showed the last few days. 
Um, the hard day yesterday was maybe not good for Charlotte, but it was really good for, for Juliette, I think. Uh, she looks really good and I, I hope things will really split up on the on the span already. Uh, I expect so as well. I mean, uh, it's not like we have 10 mountain stages, just one. Uh, I think Mobistar as the worst maybe about Mobistar as the, as the real climbing team here. Um, I think they've been working to this stage all, all week. Um, they have like three, four riders that they maybe only have to bring for this stage. So I expect them to make it really hard from the beginning and that's actually what we want as well. I mean, Juliette's really strong on the longer efforts, less explosive and cannot let get less explosive if we start at the bottom of their span. So um, yeah, we're really excited actually. I mean, I'm really curious also to see. It's, it's, it's like a stage we never really do. Yeah. So we, I cannot say right now, I know it benefits Juliette like from her own perspective, like from her point of view, but you don't know what that's worth against the rest. So we're really optimistic that, I mean, after seven days of Giro, she could almost follow Van Vleuten on, a, on, on like more an explosive thing. So who knows, like tomorrow, and we're really, really positive. We're really trying to get there and, and yeah, we have a lot of confidence in Juliette, even despite the first day, but she's shown like also two days ago that she's really strong. Well, that was a couple of opinions about how the Tourmalet might be raced. Lizzie, how are you reading it? What are you uh, expecting from tomorrow's stage? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes full gas from the bottom of the Aspan. The Col d'Aspan is a slightly shorter climb and it's slightly, slightly less hard. Well, actually quite significantly less hard than the Tourmalet, I would say. You know, it's more just under 7% whereas the Tourmalet has got sections up to 10%. And the Tourmalet, Tourmalet sort Wait of... Wait a minute, where was that on Anna Meek's scale? 7% and 10%? She, she liked 7%. She, she liked 7%, 7% yeah. the most. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the Tourmalet sort of gets worse as it goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> um, and the other sort of interesting thing to note, and if you haven't noticed, listeners, please do take note because the stage starts at 4.15 tomorrow, finishes at 7.15. Mm. That's the, the middle schedule. Um, and, you know, that's going to have that can sometimes have quite some effect on the riders some riders absolutely hate racing in the afternoon and evening um, it completely changes the rhythm it changes when you have to eat like the number of times that you have to eat um, probably be good for Annemiek actually because she's a, she's a night owl like me um, but I think that we'll see it splitting up early on I think that like you say Danny there will be huge gaps in the GC but will Van Vluten and Vollering be able to take anything out of each other that's what will be interesting i wouldn't be surprised if Annemiek tries to go early and long um maybe from the bottom of the tourmalet uh if there's a group there together then because she'll want to try and get as much time on demi volering as possible are we going to see any kind of team tactics is it possible for teams i mean obviously yeah, the yeah. men's tour de france you know we see a lot of uh the you know what they call the team sky train you know coming through and each teammate wearing uh, out the rest but we don't tend to see that women cycling and also you know the teams that um Vollering's SD Works and uh, Van Vluten's Movistar as we've already seen this week they've uh, they've both got two stage wins apiece actually already but they're, they're certainly not GC teams in the traditional sense that they're all just a bunch of climbers are they yeah no you're completely right and you've got kind of 50 kilometers of of mostly flat terrain before you hit the cold asphalt and that's the perfect opportunity to get your riders up the road um, for instance maybe misha bradevold for sd works because 
they might get Royster up the road, but I'd be surprised if they do, or, or maybe even Kapeki. Um, and then maybe Sheila Gutierrez uh, for Movistar. She was so impressive for me, actually, on stage. Oh, where are we? Stage four? Stage five? Stage five. Stage four. Stage four I'm not or even five. trying to help you, Lizzie. We're can't, just, can't, only, can't whatever we say, you'll only recorrect us. <laughs> stage four. Stage four. The stage that was won by Yara Castellan. Definitely stage four. Um, she was so impressive. And so if you can have a rider up the road to to bridge, well, not really bridge over to, but when everybody else gets shelled to be there and to give you a bit of support, a little bit of a pull, a bit of motivation, uh, a bottle even, um, that that can be really, really helpful. So um, especially, you know, if we saw Annemiek, say, go at the bottom of the Col d'Aspin, if someone like Sheila Gutierrez or one of her teammates was away and could help her on the descent and it going into the Tourmalet again, that would be incredibly helpful. So um, yeah, I expect to see riders get up the road and I expect to see one hell of a battle on the slopes tomorrow. Yeah, it should, it should be interesting. Of course, we've still also got the uh, the Queen of the Mountains competition yes. to play for. Um, Castelline's on 23 points. Uh, she And there's 25 points available tomorrow. So Denny had his calculator back out in the press room. I did, I did, I did. To see well, if 23 was more or less than 25. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, I'm I'm still at learning with my mathematics. <laughs> no, were, you but it's, writing, it, um, were you just writing? Don't leave us on a cliffhanger. Eight zero zero eight five into the calculator, <laughs> turning yeah, it upside down. So I'm not coming back. <laughs> just get. Uh, no. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So <laughs> so basically, we've got 25 points available tomorrow. Castellines on 23. Um, Annemiek, uh, sorry, Demi Vollering's on minus two and Annemiek van Vlusen's on zero. Minus two, uh, of course, because of the penalty. Because of the penalty yesterday. that was uh, she got yesterday. So, um, and of course, a number of riders kind of further behind uh, Castelline. But Castelline, of all the riders that have cumula accumulated points so far, Castelline is the strongest climber, I think it's fair to say. So it's probably going to be a competition between Castelline, Annemiek van Vluten and uh, potentially Demi Vollering, although she could only kind of le be level on points by the end of the stage if she got maximum points. So I asked Castelline, Yara Castelline, whether the Aspan was her finish line because she, if she can get some points there, then she's got enough to, to bag the jersey, basically. Uh, interestingly, she said she's going for G GC, so that's wow. not her finish line. She so wants she a good GC result. And when I was speaking to her, she was kind of on the time trial bike, getting ready, like already thinking ahead to stage eight. So she's not going to settle for the Queen of the Mountains jersey, although that she one needs, sure would be a bonus for her. She needs a breakaway to go mop up those points and then one of the GC favourites to win on the Tourmalet. And then the points would be nicely spread out and she would still win. So that would be her ideal scenario, I guess, as well as... Uh, and also result. be up be of course yeah I'll be up there on GC but that that's all uh, as well as the fact that you know Lizzie you mentioned in the tale of the attack that she actually crashed today and yeah. she was quickly back on but when I was at the um, mix zone she wasn't talking to anyone because she did have to go and see a doctor so you know what can you tell us Denny of her condition and her yeah I mean she said trying. she was quite shaken after the crash and she felt a bit of discomfort she had kind of cuts on her elbow all down her right side really um, and she thinks it might you know take it out of her a bit but she also felt like it wasn't so bad that she wouldn't you know it, it would well she doesn't know how it's going to affect her riding basically uh she was certainly a bit battered and bruised but not nearly as serious as other riders uh today like mm. poor veronica ewers yeah. uh, who we saw being uh, taken to hospital with her arm in a sling 
uh, after a, a nasty crash. Well, it's the same crash, actually, wasn't it, with Yara Castelline? Yeah, Veronica, you, as we saw in the medical communicate, gone gone straight off to hospital, and she did actually uh, finish the stage, unfortunately, nine minutes, 56 down with one of her teammates uh, trying to get her uh, across the line. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, she was one of the, coming into it, one of the GC contenders, which, you know, it's just a reminder, isn't it, that as much as we kind of big up the Vollering Van Vluten rivalry, but in cycling, any really anything can happen. And, you know, mm-hmm. if the luck doesn't go your way, then, you know, we might be looking at a set of potential winners and it could be, end up being someone completely different. Yeah, I think another thing I meant to mention the other day, actually, when when Viva's left the race was uh, when there's a rider in your team who's unwell, it's always concerning whether that's going to spread. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, well, just stomach issues. Perhaps it was the result of the super long stage that she'd had the day before. But then Anna van der Breggen elaborated on it, said that she was already feeling unwell the, do- the day before and then woke up that day with a fever. And the fact that she had a fever made me think, oh, God, I really hope that doesn't go around the team. Because, I mean, so- somehow, somehow Annemiek van Vluten managed to win the Tour last year, despite food poisoning but she is quite she started she started with it she also began with the food poisoning and then it it, you know it the symptoms of it wore off while the the stages were still but regardless easy but less mountainous yeah but regardless the way she got through that i mean you know all of us have had food poisoning at some point in our lives and you'll know that empty feeling um that you have for quite some reason and uh yeah it really was remarkable but so anyway anyway, yeah hoping that that vollering and her team also stays healthy so that we can have the battle that um that we that is expected and that we also want to see on uh, on the mountains and in the time trial what you're saying uh, here is amazing me, Lizzie, because I, I thought yesterday you said that, uh, you know, tummy troubles, it has to be something, uh, you know, you should just <laughs> shake it off and carry on. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I did say that. I did say that in, in a text to Which you. Which makes and you I, think the, you know, the AG2R brown shorts, uh, you know, are a good solution, aren't they? <laughs> Uh, yeah some sometimes i do think you should just carry on but clearly vibas was not well you know fever not good so um but also if it's a fever something that can potentially spread through the team so fingers crossed firstly works they don't need any more controversies this race do they well i'm sure all of this uh, talk of tummy troubles um and sickness has put <laughs> everyone in the mood for a delicious dinner <laughs> A delicious cassoulet over in uh, Toulouse. Of course, we are in uh, Lionel's cul- culinary Ooh, home. The I home of thought, the cassoulet. It would be the perfect yes. night for entouillettes. Do you know what entouillette is? Um. <laughs> it's it's, no, sa- it's okay. It's it's a sausage um, made. Is it up. black pudding? N- not really. No, it's a sausage made up of not very well cleaned intestines. Hot favourite no. in France. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you mean not very well? No. They give him a wash, but they give him a wash in a, in a very French fashion. Like, well, that'll do. <laughs> what do you... No, this is... No, Lizzie, that can't even be right, can it? Right, well, it's right. It's okay, right. well, we know what to <laughs> avoid uh, tonight, don't we? And uh, we will try and uh, find a... Cassoulet, we didn't manage to find the cod cassoulet that didn't, Francois did, suggested in Albi, which would have been good for a pescatarian. Like would yourself, have been perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just have news coming in right now, and Veronica Ewers has broken her collarbone, unfortunately. Ooh. Very, very sad yeah. to say that she'll be out of the race. That's sad to hear. Didn't, she didn't look in a good shape when I, when I saw no. her being and taken And actually still kind of covered in 
ditch kind of uh, amazing that she rode 70 kilometers to the line with a broken collarbone as well remarkable yeah. these yeah. cyclists yeah. well we uh, one other point of business we should also mention Lotta Capecchi has now won the green jersey oh. uh, Ashley Mormon Pasioka no longer overtake her I think there's only 60 a maximum of 60 points left in the race and if I've got my maths right Lizzie <laughs> and of course I'm terrible at maths uh, Lotte Quebec is on 201 points uh, Ashley Mormon Passio is on 132 so <laughs> although Ashley Mormon Passio may be wearing green tomorrow she can no longer win that competition Oh, wow. I, I mean, it would be that. It's a bit of a shame for Ashley Mormon Passio because she's been just wearing that green jersey whether she was second in the competition or third or. She's worn it well as well, hasn't she? she just, yes. Yeah. Um, she certainly has. Well, uh, thanks uh, both of you for kind of suddenly uh, coming up with the, the news flash at the end and steering us away from that uh, conversation of dirty sausages. Uh, but let's go and find uh, something to eat. Denny, I think that would be wise. Uh, and Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, Denny. Thanks, Lizzie. Thanks, Rose. Thanks, Denny. Thanks, Lizzie. <laughs> The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freeb, and Lionel Burney. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.